Father, we just come before you. We come into your word this morning and we pray that your word will come into us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, we are... Um, whoa. Am I, is, it, does the, is, it the, is it the fold back this? Okay, great. Okay. Um, we are continuing in our series in, uh, the, in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, and today we're in chapter three. And um, it's continuing our series on good news in difficult times. You know, um, I think I think the word has got round, but move um, across away from that a little bit. Um, Paul had visited Thessalonica perhaps two years earlier to writing this letter. He'd had to uh, leave in a hurry as the town turned against his message in in fury and uproar. He had to leave uh, and get out of the place quick and. Um, and he was trying to establish what had happened since he had paid a visit. And um, he'd sent Timothy back to go and find out what had happened. And Timothy came back and reported what had happened. And then Paul sends this letter to the church. He was trying, he'd been trying to find out, was there still a church there? Or had Satan snatched away the faith that they'd received when he preached to them? And he'd got the message, and now he's writing back to them. So let's, let's um, read the passage. Okay. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. Um, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress, and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may the God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. If you were here last week, you might remember that uh, in chapter 2, when Andrew was preaching, he pointed out that um, Paul had wanted to go, but Satan had blocked their way. And now he's saying, may the God and Father himself and Jesus 
clear the way. Satan's not going to stand against that. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Amen. Now, you know, when we read scripture like this, we want to try to understand at a human level what's going on. What can I learn about myself when I look at a passage of scripture like this? What can I learn about God? Is there any encouragement to me, to you, in our faith when we read a passage of scripture like this? Is there any example to follow or is there any commandment to be obeyed? You know, for me, this whole letter has a lot to say to us here at Weymouth Family Church at this current time. As this new leadership team that we're forming has been getting together, we've been looking at what is the vision of Weymouth Family Church? We're not finalized with it yet. It's been a long discussion and we don't want to miss out on something by rushing into it. You know, we don't want to miss out on something the Lord may be saying to us or leading us into. But I think at the bottom line, it's safe to say that we have a threefold purpose. To love God, to love one another, to love the lost. Okay, we have a thing up there. We want to proclaim Jesus. We want to love people. We want to transform community. They kind of fall in line with that as well. But we've got that threefold purpose. We want to love God. That means we want to worship him. We want to abide in him. Jesus said in John's gospel, if you abide in me, you know, you will bear much fruit. We want to abide in God. And we want to spend time being reliant on him through prayer. When we're praying, we're saying, God, only you can do this. It's your work. We're reliant on you. We're utterly dependent upon you. So we love God. We love one another. That means doing all the one another things that are mentioned in the Bible. Love one another, bear with one another, support one another, encourage one another. All those one another things that we see in the Bible. It's doing those. It's helping each other grow in the knowledge of God and in Christ likeness. You know, if you, if you remain an isolated Christian, just on your own, you're never going to grow. And, you know, we actually need one another. And sometimes we need one another to get up one another's noses. Because it's when that happens that we get our edges knocked off. And when we grow in Christ-likeness, we need one another. We love one another. And we want to share life together in homes and here at Bethany Hall when we gather together. We want to love one another. It's important. And we want to love the lost. That means to share the good news in words, in power, in the Holy Spirit. We want to make disciples. And we want to remember the poor. That was the apostolic mandate. When Paul went to check out, is the gospel that I'm preaching correct? 
And they said, yep, what you're saying is good. The only thing we'd say is, remember the poor. He said, which was the very thing I was eager to do. Remember the poor. You know, we see these three things here in this passage. It talks about being blameless and holy in the presence of God. That's worship. Being holy and blameless in the presence of God. And then it says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. That's the one anothering that we're talking about. It's the loving the church, loving each other. And then it talks about Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. That's sharing the gospel. We see those three things here in this passage. Now, if you're part of the church here, you will know that I have been personally challenged to be more bold in spreading the gospel, talking to friends or those I've got some sort of measure of relationship with, uh, to complete strangers even, on a Saturday afternoon outreach. I'm still not great at it, but I'm working on it. I'm praying about it, and I'm having a go when opportunity arises just to share about Jesus. And you know, I've been encouraging us as a church family to look for opportunities to pray for people uh, and to share the gospel with them. You know, when we meet with people and they share a situation going on in their life, just say, would you let me pray for you about that? And just take the bold step of just praying for someone and see where it leads, see what conversation it leads into. You know, not everyone will come out on the Saturday outreach. But we can all be praying for our friends and our neighbours and people we know that are far from God. We can all do that, every single one of us. We can all be asking the Lord for boldness to share the gospel with them as opportunity arises. How many times, you know, the church, often when things happen to them, what did they pray? Lord, give us boldness. How many times did they, give us boldness. It should be a prayer that we're always praying. Give us boldness, Lord, give us boldness to speak to people. Give us boldness to take opportunities to pray for people. We're all disciples if we've asked the Lord Jesus into our lives. If you've asked the Lord Jesus into your life, you're a disciple. And that means we are all commanded to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are all commanded to do that. No exceptions. That's what we are. We're disciples. Disciples make disciples. And they make disciples who make disciples. That's who we are. But here's the balance. And it's a balance that we see in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Did they all stay in Athens to keep spreading the word to lost people? No, they didn't. They sent Timothy back to pay a pastoral visit, a love visit to the church that they'd set up in Thessalonica. We're called to love the lost, but we are also called to love the church. 
That's why we meet in smaller groups in our homes, our connect groups, connecting with God, connecting with each other, and connecting with the lost. That's our threefold purpose. That's why we have our connect groups. That's why we call them connect groups, because we're connecting. We're connecting with God. We're connecting with each other. We're connecting with the lost. In fact, we're starting a new connect group next week. We're starting a new connect group. It's going to be meeting at Dave and Karen's house um, in Preston, and Elaine's going to be leading it. This is good news because it means we're growing. So, you know, we've got, we've got connect groups now. We've got one now in Preston. We've got one in meets in the Littlemore area, one that meets in Lodmore, one that we, meets in Wyke, one that meets in South Hill, one that meets in Portland. And, well, and all sorts of other places. I think it travels around a bit, that one, doesn't it? But, yeah, I think I've got them all, haven't I? So we're growing. We've got new connect groups. It's good news. And the relationships that are formed in these connect groups are really important. Why? Well, using some of the words that were in that passage, because they supply what's lacking in our faith when we gather together and strengthen one another. You know, and, and what Trevor brought this morning about, you know, some people are in difficult situations. They supply what's lacking in our faith. They make, in the words again of, in the scripture, they make our love increase and overflow for each other. And they strengthen our hearts so that we become more like Christ. And why else is it important? Well, Jesus says this, By this, all will know that you are my disciples. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. By what? By what? If you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So we love, the, we love God, we love the church, and we love the lost. But I find the proportion interesting. Two stayed to preach the gospel, and one was sent to support the church. I wonder if that would be our proportion. Would we give more time to reaching the lost than serving the church? It's a challenging question, isn't it? It's a challenging question. Do we give the great, what do we give the greater part of our time to? I'm not asking for an answer. I'm just posing the question. I think it's an interesting proportion. Interestingly, and for your prayers and keeping you involved in everything that's going on, Russell, many of you know Russell, he's the guy that's come here and done some of the uh, outreach training that we've been involved in. Russell has um, asked us um, to consider hosting a three-day intensive training event to reach the lost, you know, training in reaching the lost for the whole of the sort of southwest region. Um, you know, we're looking into what that might look like. Now, I, I went on the three-day intensive training, but I had to go to St. Albans, you know, uh, and we're saying, well, let's do it here. He's saying, do it here, and, and maybe gather in some of the churches in our locality. Don't know what it's going to look like. But anyway, you can pray about that with me. 
and see what, what God says and, what, and how, how that works out. Um, it's hard to say, what is our number one priority? Is it the church or is it the lost? Well, both are vital. And one feeds into the other both ways. You know, as it says, the church is needed to reach the lost, but the lost are needed to grow the church. Both are needed. They're both important. You know, we've been spending a lot of time thinking and praying about our building, and we've had all these media improvements done, you know, new projector, all the cabling hidden, big monitor up there. Um, you know, the speakers put on the wall so that there's not things there taking up space on the floor. You know, we, we do spend time on our building, and it's important to us. On Tuesday, again, for your prayers, I've got an, uh, an architectural drawer. I think that's, he, he, he does drawings. And he's going to come and draw, come along and see and try and draw you know, sort of architecturally what it is that we want to see happening. Um, you know, perhaps some rooms up there. Um, knocking back some space doing the kitchen, um, uh, you know, as, as a first phase, perhaps. Um, you know, so that we have something more concrete to give to building companies and others who come to look at the building and say, yeah, this is what we want to do. This is what we're looking at. What do you think that's going to cost? Have, it, have something a bit more concrete to give. So do pray about that. But the bottom line is, we can reach the lost without a building. We can reach the lost without a building. Our focus has to be on those who don't know Jesus, not primarily on the building. Now, hear me on this. The building is helpful to us as we seek to reach the lost. Don't ditch the building. Okay, The building is important, and it's important that we develop it to its maximum effectiveness because it's useful to us. It's useful to the community. It's useful for reaching the lost. Don't lose sight of that. But put it in its proper place. I want you to pray about our building development. Please do pray. Continue to pray about our building development. But even more, I want us to be praying for our friends and family who don't know Jesus. Keep on praying for your friends and family. If you can, do it daily. It might be one or two people that you're praying for daily. It might be five or six. If you can, pray daily. As Teresa said to me yesterday, it's not about the building, it's about building the kingdom of God. It's about building the kingdom of God. You know, but the title of this talk is The Gospel in Times of Distress. So in this remaining time, I'd just like to uh, look briefly at what this passage tells us about joy in times of distress. What examples are there that may encourage us and give us something to follow? Are there any commands there that we should obey? Hmm. Firstly, let me say, God's joy in times of distress 
is not a blind denial of the distress, a, a kind of pretense that it doesn't exist. I think, you know, what, what term has been brought, you know, what Trevor brought about people that are, you know, looking around them and, and seeing situations going on. Um, you know, it's, we, we don't want to pretend that those situations aren't there. They are there. There is, there, there is distress at times. You know, in a strange way, I find it reassuring that Paul responds in a very normal way. Paul was not super spiritual. You know, he'd had to hurriedly leave this church that he'd just set up. He might have only been with them for a matter of weeks, and he had to leave them. Now, we could all be very, you know, he could be very super spiritual. Well, I don't need to worry about them. I'm sure God's got that all in hand. God is wonderful and God was, yes, and that's all true. But Paul wasn't saying that. Paul was saying, you know, he was saying, in fact, he said twice in that, in that passage, I couldn't stand the worry of thinking about you. He didn't quite say that, but he said, when I could stand it no longer, when I could stand it no longer. No, he was wrestling with doubts and worries about this new baby church. I'm sure he'd prayed about it. He'd, when he, in fact, he tells us, I'm constantly mentioning you in my prayers. We see in the very first chapter, I'm constantly mentioning you in my prayers. But he still was kind of worried. Still, you know, I want to know what's going on. I want to know. He wasn't being super spiritual. Oh, I don't need to worry about that. I'm sure God's got all that in, in hand. No, he wasn't like that. He was real. As we are real. Time, joy in times of distress doesn't mean that you are always feeling joyful. It means that God eventually breaks in, reveals his truth, reveals his perspective, reveals his answers. And when we see that, so we are filled with joy. When we see God breaking in, we're in a situation, we're in something, and it's a distressing situation, but God breaks in, and we see God's answer, then we find joy. You know, Psalm 30 says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And it can be in the most normal and mundane of circumstances that we find ourselves in distress. When I, I was sort of thinking back and thinking to myself, when was one of the times where I really, really was low? I really felt in distress. I really felt, and, and it might seem like a stupid example, but it was real for me. And it was when we were trying to move out of Battersea We'd moved to the New Frontiers Church in Putney, and I'd become the church leader. In fact, at, the, at first I'd become an elder, and having been appointed an elder, the lead elder said, oh, and by the way, I'm off to New Zealand. Bye, it's over to you. Um, that's kind of what happened. But we still lived in Battersea. Now, it's only three or four miles away from Battersea to Putney. It's not far. 
But through the Wandsworth one-way system, it could take you an hour to get home on a Sunday after church meeting. It could. And um, anyway, and we just felt it would be good to be part of the, more part of the community in Putney. So we, we looked for a property. We put a house on the market. And we found this property in a very quiet street in a Putney postcode. It was a three-story townhouse. So the living room was on the, the first floor. But more than that, there were no houses on the other side of the road because on the other side of the road was the boundary wall to Richmond Park. And we were looking out of this front, and it was a very big, wide window, looking out over Richmond Park. And behind us, if we went out the back gate, and we went under the underpass, under the A3, we were on Wimbledon Common. Literally, you know, a minute walking from the back gate, you were on Wimbledon Common. It was a wonderful place. We just couldn't believe the providence of God to lead us to such a great house at a price we could afford in a really, really lovely situation. And it was a really nice house. You know, and we were quite close to exchange of contracts. And, you know, we were telling people about this wonderful house. And I was really kind of thinking, this is great. And then, of course, it all fell through. The chain collapsed, the cellar pulled out, and our dreams were dashed. And I really felt very, very down. I really did. I, went, I, I wrote a letter and posted it through every neighbor's door among, along that line saying, are you thinking of moving because we want to find a house along here? You know, nothing came of it. And, and for a, a while, I was really quite down about it. Now, we weren't being persecuted for our faith. We weren't, our lives weren't in danger. Let's get a perspective on this, I suppose, compared to what Paul was talking about. But I felt very distressed. I felt quite down. And do you identify with times like that? Do you identify with times like that? You thought you were going to go this way. And you ended up going that way. And that way was pear-shaped. Yeah? Do you? Do you understand? Do you have yeah, times like that? Your hopes were dashed. And you were distressed. I mean, another story, I think, another time. I think I might have told you this one before. but. Um, We'd, we were part of Putney, and Putney were looking to plant a connect group, a, you know, a group into Fulham, just across the bridge, across Fulham Bridge, Putney Bridge, on the other side of Putney Bridge is Fulham. And, um, and I went for a job in a school, teaching, teaching in a school in Fulham. And we thought, great, you know, um, that will give us inroads into the community. I will have contacts. We can build this, con this church group in Fulham, uh, and the church were really kind of up for this as well. I didn't get it. And we were, you know, the whole, you know, the whole church was pretty down, and what's going on? And as I told you, I think six months later, it was in the news, they're going to close the school down. So I was quite pleased that I didn't get the job at that point. Um, and God knows what he is doing. You know, and Paul's example to us is that we can find a faithful God in it all. He was concerned for this church, but he found God to be faithful. And then found himself to be full of joy. Now, maybe we won't see it all straight away. 
But in God's timing, we will see his faithfulness and we will be full of joy. If I complete the story of the house purchase, in the end, we kind of picked ourselves up and we went back online and we found another house not too far from the house we'd lost. Completely different house. Maybe half a mile up the road. It was still a Putney postcode, although actually now we'd crossed the border into Kingston. And it was a lovely, characterful cottage. Uh, this is taken off of Google Maps. Uh, where the car is, we had that house, but in fact, we didn't have, they've put that car in since. We had just a fence like Pete and Lynn on the right-hand side. Uh, we just had a nice long garden. Um, and um, so it was a lovely, lovely house, a lovely, characterful cottage in a lovely road. Uh, Fred's feeling quite nostalgic because Fred grew up in this road. Um, and if we looked, as we looked out from our front window, uh, on the, it's hidden behind the trees, but there is actually a really, really pretty old um, Victorian church, Anglican church, and to the right there's a lovely old Victorian schoolhouse. Um, and as you can see, it's quite green. It, you know, there's no, it's not, there's no high rises. This is London, but it's it's pretty countryfied. And as I say, rich, just around the corner, we could walk into Richmond Park, uh, go around the corner over the overpass. We could go onto Wimbledon Common. It was it was just a lovely place to live, and uh, we had wonderful neighbours whom we still love and we keep in contact with, even though we actually only lived there for five years before we moved down to Weymouth. It was a lovely place to live. And, you know, God had a plan. It wasn't our plan, but it was perfect. And we were overjoyed. You know, God had a plan. We didn't see it at first. But when God finally revealed it to us, we were overjoyed. You know, just as Paul's example to us, he reports his joy when God's plan was unveiled, when, when all the things he'd been praying about were suddenly, yes, it's true. They're fine. The church is good. We're overjoyed. They're standing firm in the Lord. You know, when distressing situations come our way, all we can do is wait on the Lord and keep on going. And joy comes with the morning. When Teresa was taken unwell two years ago, and it, it turned out to be bowel cancer, we didn't know that until after the operation to remove it. But all we could keep on doing was to keep on going. That was all we could do. I kept on leading the church. You supported us by providing meals and messages and prayers. And God, who is faithful, took us through it. And we found great joy in being told that following the operation, Teresa was cancer-free. Now, I know that that's not everyone's experience. But God remains faithful. Whatever happens on a human level, God remains faithful. There is good news even in difficult times. There is joy even in times of distress. We all have stories of God's goodness. As, as, uh, as Trevor brought that word, he said, you've been on the mountaintop before. You've been here before. 
God's seen you through it before. He will see you through it again. Last week, Andrew summarized the first three talks in the series as the first verse, we're chosen. So if you try and summarize the first chapter, we're chosen. And then Steve did the second talk, the first half of chapter two, and Andrew said, that was, we're loved. And Andrew brought the second half of chapter two last week, and he said, we're different. Well, if I were to continue in that vein, I'd say today, we're watched over. We're watched over. God, who is faithful, watches over us. He sees our distress. He understands our pain. Paul says we're even destined for such trials. Don't be surprised. We're destined for such trials. They come along. They happen. But God works things out in his own way and in his own time. He does work things out. We can rely on him. He will lead us into joy. He will do it. What does the scripture say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Doesn't mean to say we're joyful all the time. But we will be led into joy. You know, when we lost our house purchase, People stood with us and prayed and supported us. You know, when Trees was taken ill, you stood with us and prayed for us. Um, we've known of a couple of times, actually, where Trees has been really had um, difficulties uh, when she had before back surgery. She had back surgery in 2010. Before that, there were times really when we just had to struggle through um, and I had to try to do as much as I could of, you know, of keeping the house and being a, uh, a husband and, and being... Uh, chief cook and bottle washer uh, and leading a church in, you know, in Putney for part of the time. But we just kept going and we just had to keep going. And, and eventually God provided a way through and we found joy. We just keep going. You keep going. Whatever it is you're in, keep going, keep going, keep going. And let us try and stand with you and pray with you. We came through to a place of joy. And you can come through to a place of joy. I'd really like us just to take a few moments. If you would like to be prayed for, that we can pray for one another to support those who are facing distressing situations. And if you would like prayer, to be supported through a distressing, whatever it might be that is, you know, a bit... What, Trevor's talking about being up on the mountaintop, looking around and seeing the situation about around you. If you would like prayer, then let's, um, let's do that. If you don't know Jesus, if what I'm talking about, about Jesus coming in and supporting you, well, you can know him today, and, and I could lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus into your life.